Welcome to the Mindful Runner Podcast, a show about running and racing, trail and ultra in South Africa. Along the way, we'll be talking training, gear, nutrition, and mindfulness, all in the context of the South African racing scene. I'm your host, Fred Richardson, founder and head coach at Mindful Runner. Stay tuned as I do my best to give you all the information and none of the waffle. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about running Carcliff. Once again, I'm joined by Mindful Runner coaches Justin Olofsson and Anya Lowe, and we will talk you through the 50-miler and the 100-miler at Carcliff. So let's have a look first at the 50-miler. Well, even before we get into that, let's understand that the 100-miler is an out-and-back route. So you run 50 miles out, and then you turn around at that point at Benby, and you run back 50 miles to the finish. The 50-miler, you're starting at the turnaround point, and you're running back to the finish line. Justin, you've run the 100-miler. How do you think we approach training for the 50-miler? Yeah, I think it, it all comes down basically to identifying your goal um, and, and what sort of target you have for running the 50-miler. Um, if you've got fast targets, you're going to have to adjust your training according to that. And then some guys might go into it as their first 50 miler, and then they just want to get over the line. So I think that's going to have an impact on how you approach your training. But I think in general, when you're looking at something like Carcliff, it's a slightly faster 50 miler. You know, you can have a look at building a very good base in terms of endurance, um, boosting VO2 max, and then working towards some good steady state running and getting some good mileage on your feet. For the 50 miler, you can really focus on, on building good mileage. And during the week, you can, you can do a lot of your road sessions and uh, build up mileage by covering a lot of kilometers there during the week. And then on, on the weekends, you can head out to the trail. I think it is important for a race like Carcliffe that you do understand that it is still a, a trail race. I think some people think you're going out there and it's, it's, it's going to be a road race. It is definitely still a trail race. You've got to definitely build your mileage up on, on, on some hard surfaces. And then on the weekend, spend some time out on the trails. And again, it's got to do with your targets. If, you, if you're going for a, for a good time or a fast time, and then you've got to work that into your program and you've got to get that that working. So, um, yeah, I would look at building a good base. And then from there, you know, sort of building up to doing slightly faster running, definitely put some speed work in there and uh, look at doing runnable hills. So, Carcliffe, a lot of the stuff that you're going to get given is definitely runnable on that course. Um, a lot of the ups that you're going to get, you know, you can you can move pretty quickly on those. There's nothing overly technical. So looking to get in some good running hills on your program as well and being able to run on that kind of terrain, I think, is, is, is a key factor there. Carcliffe is very undulating as well, but a lot of the stuff that you've got there is, is runnable. So, yeah, just in a nutshell there, build up the mileage for that, that 50 miler, get some speed work in there and cover basically all the bases and make sure that most of the stuff you're training on is runnable. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Anya, have you got anything to add to that? The only thing I was thinking of is um, there is like this little secret tool that not a lot of people do that if I speak to them, but you introduced me to it, Fred, wise trail intervals. So especially on this terrain where you can, um, so people always think that your intervals you just do on tour. By doing some intervals on trail, you actually um, 
help yourself when you get to the race and you have to go faster and slower on the trail and build your endurance. Justin also touched on that when he spoke about the fact that people think it's Cockliffe is a road race and that just preparation on road is good enough. On the surface, it seems like that. When we look at the results, it's clear that just spending a lot of time running road isn't enough to run a good cockliffe. You do need to spend time still running on trails, picking the faster trails, yeah, and doing interval work on trails will make a, a big difference to, to your overall approach, I think, and to the speed you can maintain on that course. And the overall gradient is 2.5%, so it's not significant. As Justin mentioned, it's up and down. It is, there's not one, any one big climb that you have to be concerned about, but it's constantly up and down, small little climbs. So yeah, get in lots of good hill work and hill work at pace, not the kind of hills that you want to be walking. You want to be running two and a half to 4% gradients in training, I think. When it comes to that 100 mile, Justin, you've now run two of them. What's your approach there? With the 100 miler, very similar to the 50 miler, instead you're going to be putting in a lot more mileage. And again, it comes down to what is your target for that 100 miler? I think if you're going to go for a finish and you just want to get over the line, um, a lot of people might go into Carcliffe as being their first 100 miler and they just want to get a finish. You could get away with 80, 80 kilometers a week, maybe look at 100 k's a week. But as soon as you want to start running and looking at time and getting things into that 24-hour zone or sub-24 hours, you've got to look at building more mileage. We've got to look at that 100 to you know 140 kilometers in a week if you can handle it. Because Carcliffe is a, is a faster race, but there is still enough on that course to challenge you. It's not like something you're just going to pitch up, you're going to run it, and you're not going to have to work to get over the, the line. There's a couple of factors with Carcliffe you've also got to take into consideration. It gets really hot out there. I mean, Carcliffe, the temperatures can crank up there in those pine straws and in those farmlands, and you could be hitting temperatures that soar suddenly to 40, 40 degrees plus, and that suddenly changes the race. So from the 50-miler point of view, I think do enough running in warm conditions, um, definitely. Um, don't neglect that. Make sure that that is part of your training as well. And then go and have a look at the kind of mileage you're doing. Work out a program with your coach where you can cover enough mileage during the week um, and you're covering all the bases. You're covering an endurance base. You're making sure that you've got hills in your program, that you're doing a lot of runnable uh, incline work, and then obviously the steady state running and your interval running. That's definitely going to work in your favor on that course. Getting road running involved as well as trail, having a good balance between the two. You can do a lot of your weekly stuff you can do on road and then on weekends you can go out onto the trails. But there is definitely a focus with Carcliffe on getting speed work in. For the guys that are a little bit more experienced and have got a little bit more mileage, you can really lay the hammer down with some speed work um, and start focusing on that a lot. And then for the guys that are sort of starting out, it's all about building mileage and you can really put the time in. In terms of a time frame, um, I would look at if you want to get a, a good time on that 100 miler, look to put in um, your at least six months of training there. And then, you know, if it's your first one and that's your target that you've set and you want to get over the line and give yourself enough prep time, the eight months to a, to a year's worth of training will definitely come in handy. Yeah. And when you speak about a year's worth of training, that's not a year of preparing for Cockliffe. That is a year of firstly getting your body conditioned and then kicking into Cockliffe training. Yes, absolutely. I think, think you can actually, um, you know, sort of focus your Cockliffe training 
once you start started training like three to four months out from car cliff, you can really start going race specific there if you've got a good base. Um, and that also for the guys that are going for, for your slightly quicker times, if you can put in three months of, of, of focus training towards car cliff, you're going to have a good race. And if there's any event on a hundred miler in South Africa, where you want to target a sub 24, then car cliff is probably the best one to go for. It's, it's the one that is the most accessible in terms of making a sub 24 hour. And that is almost the gold standard of hundred mile running, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You know, that the sub 24 hour is definitely something you could look at targeting at Carcliffe. The nice thing is you've got, you can have your support crew around you as well. So you can have a very, very good system of nutrition. You know, how you're going to work that in. You can get a pacer involved as well. And that's another thing with the 100 miler at Carcliffe. You know, if you're going to be running with a pacer, you can run large sections of, of Carcliffe with, with your pace, paces from the turnaround at Benvy Garden. So do some training with your paces as well. Get to know each other. Make sure that they understand you as, as a runner as well, because the pacer can definitely come in handy, especially when you need to make targets in, in certain times between certain checkpoints. Uh, your pacer can definitely keep you on the mark there. And I also think what makes Carcliffe challenging, what we mustn't forget, is that it, you can get sucked into the pace there very quickly. Uh, which can make Carcliffe a tough race. I think that is actually what makes it a lot tougher than what people think. Um, it's a fast race. Um, if you don't know yourself and how you move at those kind of speeds, um, it, that race can get really, really difficult. So um, you've got to take things like that into consideration and make sure that you put in the necessary prep for Carcliffe. It's by no means a walk in the park. And that 100 miles starts with the first 16, mile, 16 kilometers or 10 miles being a loop away from the country club, away from the start, and then you come back through that same start line again, um, and it's in the dark. But typically, guys are really flying in that section uh, because everyone's feeling strong and healthy, and it's the beginning of the race. The adrenaline's pumping, and that can, yeah, the pace can get away from you there if you're not cautious. Anya, any thoughts on on running with a pacer? I think what Justin said is very important. So you must get to know your pacer beforehand. They must get to know you as to know what's the buttons that they need to push. How can I motivate them, um, help them move forward, get them through this mental dip? So you both need to to get to know each other. And that happens by running together and um, training a bit together. So as Justin said, choose them wise. So if you want to get the best out of your pacer, um, and you want to use that pacer to go quicker, then yeah, I agree with you 100%. But it's also there's also a case to make for a pacer that is just a friend that's going to run along with you and keep you company on the route. They aren't necessarily going to be motivating you, but then the risk is always there that you're going to drop them because they're not fit enough, or you're going to have a disagreement with them. Those are risks you run if you don't go in with a known pacer that you've trained with. Right, you spoke about managing the heat. How are we going to deal with the heat in terms of preparation Anya I'm definitely bringing some heat training so that you get to know your body while running in the heat Um, it always feels much worse than it is so your perceived efforts much higher go and do your lunch runs then you don't have an excuse for your run in any case you have to have lunch so take a break from your work go for your run during lunchtime and get some more bang for your buck and yeah, I think that's the most important part. Then you'll also make sure that you hydrate enough, but also not too much. Make sure you keep an eye on your electrolytes, how your body's feeling. And um, I think that's the most important part, prepping for it. So do everything in training as you would during the race, especially on those long runs. That means nutrition, hydration, paces, 
everything, especially as you approach the event, the closer you get to it. That particular route, it does have some sections that are fairly long and can sometimes be a bit tedious. How do you deal with the mental aspect of staying focused in 100 miles? Justin, you're running 24 hours. How do you stay mentally focused for that time? That, uh, again, comes back to the, the training. You know, you've got those sessions where you've got to practice your mindfulness as well. Sometimes you've got to just shift your focus to something else when you're running in those sections. Um, that can become a bit tedious, you know, you know, like focus. What is your mechanics doing? Um, what is your foot strike looking, looking like? Um, maybe just shift the focus about actually just thinking about just, okay, just racing ahead and getting into that race mode the entire time. You will get times when you start tiring, but learning and teaching yourself to shift the focus to still be concentrated on what you're doing but to apply your mindfulness somewhere else. You know, at times at Carcliffe, you, you've just got to concentrate on putting one foot in front of the other, but then, you know, sort of think about, you know, am I feeling certain muscles activate? And just getting into that mindset, even if it's for five to 10 minutes, just switching off and, and starting to focus on something different can often then suddenly give you the lift and you can start concentrating again. So that's what makes Carcliffe very challenging. You know, you're going to get through sections of trail where you think, geez, this is never ending. And that's where the mindfulness needs to come into your training as well. Um, pick routes that are gonna that are gonna challenge you. So run those kind of routes. If you need to run a, a circuit uh, route where you need to pass your house, uh, say for instance three times, you know, do that. That sort of thing's gonna gonna help you with that last um, sixteen kilometers of the route when you pass the start line. So get used to getting back to base and then kicking off again and going and running another sixteen kilometers or, or ten kilometers. So just be smart with your training and, and start to practice these small little things along the line that can help you with your mental game a little bit more. And I think, again, that comes back to training. Um, you've got to start practicing this stuff when you're training. And uh, yeah, also just learn to stay calm because sometimes I think in a race that gets so fast, you might get caught up and think that you need to chase people and just focusing on, on running your own race, have your plans, trust your plans, and then, like I said, start executing a little bit of mindfulness and learning how to, to be flexible with the, your, your way of thinking and how you handle sections when you, when you get tired. I think that's very important. And it's also key, as you said, to be practicing that during training. You can't just suddenly go, okay, I've been told how to manage myself mentally and then do that in the race. This is something that you need to be practicing while you're training on your long runs, on your short runs, almost always. Being present is always going to work for you much better than being distracted and, and hating your life. Um, something that jumped into my mind was treadmill training. You know, Spend an hour running on a treadmill and see how long that can seem. It's a good way to work these kinds of disciplines for the, the sections on, on long races that are tedious. Uh, you do have to know why you're out there and be able to overcome the potential boredom of of a section like that. And it's not really a bore, boring section because if you went and drove that or you took your family for a walk in that area, it'd be pretty. But you're in a 100-mile race here and it just seems to drag on at times. Just to add to that, Fred, I think another thing is, you know, when you get into these sections that may seem a little bit more boring or we sometimes think that let's move as fast as we can to get the section over and done with. And that could compromise your race because you could suddenly get in there and you try and move too fast and then you blow out at a certain stage. So, but that comes back to training again. So when you've got sessions that are planned to be run in your recovery zone or to be run slowly, go out and execute those sessions that way. 
because there are going to be times in a race like Cockliffe when you're going to want to get into that comfortable zone where you just want to cruise along, cover the kilometers and not be running stressed at all. And then there's going to be really fast sections where you want to lay down the hammer and be able to run fast again. So again, it needs you need to have a good all-round game going into a race like Cockliffe because yes, you can run a fast time, but there are times when you're going to have to execute a little bit more control on that route. And if you've got that in your in your bag and, and part of your armor, yeah, Cockliffe's going to be a good race for you. And I think if you are chasing time, if you want to do well, then running a negative split there is a good idea as well because the first half of that course is pretty much climbing up to Benvy and then the return is there's a lot more down on the return run. Uh, so you have you can run an, a comfortable negative split there. Oh, something that, that uh, you mentioned as well, Justin, was just running fast to get past the boring section. I see people rushing to get to the top of a hill and they'll actually pick up the pace and I quite often blow because they just want to get to the top of the hill instead of simply settling down going, what's the pace that I can maintain over this hill, which is the way to run it. They will see the top of the hill and they will pick up pace and they'll go faster and faster and faster till they get almost to the top of that hill and then blow. And then they're walking. And from then on, their head is in that walking space on hills. So a good place to practice this is to just maintain that, pick the long hills and just keep your pace going. Just be patient. And that's what it comes down to, right? It is be patient with your training. Know that you have arrived at this event strong enough. You don't have to rush things. Just stay on your strategy. Because another thing that happens is a lot of these places, I mean, many trails we run with very tight corners, you don't see the other runners once they've got more than 100 meters away from you. But on Cockliffe, there's sections in which you see other runners for two, three kilometers ahead of you. And so you are being pulled along by them because they're the ones that you, that you are racing. And again, have that confidence in your own training and your own strategy that you keep your pace within yourself. So let's talk strategy strategically. How would you take this on? I mean, where are you going to push the pace? Where are you going to take it easy? I'm going to throw this one to you, Justin. Yeah, again, depending on what your target's going to be, um, I think having a good pace, pacing chart um, is very important to have your targets and to know that these are the certain times that you need to get in. Cockliffe allows you to be pretty spot on with your with your timing. And, you know, the, the Cockliffe training camp is also a fantastic thing if you're going to do the 100 mile. Get to know that course a little bit and then know exactly which sections you're going to push and which sections you're not going to push. Because that's, I think that that's where the difference between running 24 hours and above and a sub 24 hour will come in is knowledge on that course. You can really just strategically lay it out and say, right, from, you know, from Mbona to Benvi, we know it's going to be a slightly um, faster section. There's a lot of running there. So then you say to yourself, okay, this is how you're going to pace yourself. So I definitely think the Cockliffe training camp, if you're going for, uh, sub 24 hour, that's definitely going to be something for you to do. Um, then you can really plan things nicely. And guys who are unsure, a little bit nervous about the, the course, the training camp's also, also going to be beneficial for you. Because then you're going to be, on race day, you run past things that you just say, hey, I've seen this before, and you get an idea of how far you are out. So that's definitely strategy-wise for Cockliffe, do the training camp. And then you've got access to having a full support crew on that race. Um, which is really, really nice. So you can get your nutrition sorted out. You've got your support team behind you. Cockliffe is a lot of planning, 
Um, it's not serious logistics getting people out on that course either. You can really plan things well. And uh, yeah, then, you know, it makes it a lot easier for you if, if you've got these targets that are set out and you know exactly how, what you need to do in order to achieve them. And then it's just pitching on the day and, and hoping things, things go your way. And if you've put the training in, they should go according to plan. This is, other than just aiming for a sub-24, this is the 100-miler at which you can set a PB, not just because of the nature of the course, but also, as Justin's now said, you have paces, um, and that can help you. You have your own seconds sitting at all of these aid stations. So really, this is the race to target if you're looking to run your 100-miler best. Just a thing on the, the aid stations and sort of the sections where you're going to turn, for example, Benvy Gardens is halfway. A good way to get that that mentally out of your mind is maybe not to use Benvy Gardens as your main aid station stop, um, just to use Benvy Gardens as a turnaround and then, you know, just to run back. So there's lots of different ways that you can approach the race. You can use Benvy Gardens as your main stop. You could use Mborna as your main stop, depending on how you plan your race strategy. So the options are actually endless out there how you'd like to do it. I know some guys get into Benvy Gardens, they sit down there for too long, and then they don't end up finishing the race. So Benvy Gardens then becomes a main target. And sometimes that main target can result in you sitting around there for too long, where maybe, you know, at Benvy, if you know that you're going to sit down for too long and you're one of those runners that sits in the chair for too long, you know, hit Benvy Gardens, turn around, start with the next section of the course, and then tell your team, hey, when I hit in Borna or Bushwillow again, that's when we really need to knuckle down as the made aid station. So there's lots of ways of, of looking at Carcliffe. Um, which makes it really good because the, the opportunities are are sort of all out on the table there for you. You've just got to pick what you want to do and then go out and, and give it a full go. And let me just add to the don't die in the chair. That is the risk with this event. You have as many as 16 aid stations. And if you just spend five minutes at each of those aid stations, that is an hour and a half of your time gone. And it's time you can never regain. It's, it's absolutely gone. It doesn't matter how fast you run. You've lost 90 minutes off your time. So if you're looking to run a good time, make sure that you don't hang around in aid stations. Be, pre be precise with how you change over. Don't get to your supporters, flop down in the chair, have a little chat, and then work out what you want. As you're approaching an aid station, know what you're going to want. Get your stuff ready. If that means you're going to get your bottles refilled, then take them out, have them in your hands. When you get to that aid station, it's a case of hand them over, get them refilled, put them back in and go. If you have supporters, an ideal situation is to have to have extra bottles so that it's not even a case of them having to refill the bottles you have with you. Exchange the bottles, take, a, take the new ones, and on you go, and they can refill while you're, while you're moving. So have a definite plan for each of the aid stations. When you're approaching that aid station, already start dialing in, okay, this is what I have to do at the aid station. And that's where your seconds can help as well. Seconds can be queuing you into that and saying, okay, we're getting to this aid station. This is what we have on the plan to do. And they can be watching the time. They can literally be going, okay, we've got three minutes in and out. And they will keep you prompted and keep you moving because it is a, it's a time suck. And then the last and the big mental thing for a lot of runners this year, you have the last 16 kilometers is the, exactly the same as the first 16 kilometers on the 100 miles. So you come into that finish as your last aid station and you still have to run another 10 miles after that. What's the mental approach there? Anya, how would you advise people? Well, I think, I think it would be easy to see that as a very big block and a mental thing 
I mean, you know about it beforehand. It's not like, oh, they're saying the race is 40 Ks and you end up doing 42 and that last two Ks is extreme, extremely hectic. You, you know this is coming. So see it as a benefit. See it as, oh, okay, there's 16 kilometers left, but I've already done them. So I know exactly what to do where. And then I'll be back here. Look at the guys coming through the finish that actually already finished and see how they did it. I can do it as well. You came here to do 80 or 160 kilometers, not 16 less. You, you're almost there. So I think maybe that tip that Justin said about the turnaround point, maybe don't even stop there. You know, no, just your supporters, you're just going to wave, no hugs and kisses to the kids. Just going to wave because you have to just finish this last 16 kilometers. Good advice. Justin, you've been through it. What do you think? Yeah, I think the most important thing is when you when you get into your crew that's waiting there for you. I think what they said to me is the job's not done yet. You've got 16 kilometers left to go. And as you're running into that, to the start line, focus on what is in, in front of you. Just focus on getting to your crew. So your crew at that stage is where you need to get to. So don't, you know, just try and block it out of your mind and just run straight to your crew and at that point, at the 16-kilometer mark, when there's 16 k's left to go, that aid station stop, my advice would be, needs to be the quickest stop that you've done. You get your bottles and you start moving out of there as quickly as you can. You're going to hear people cheering for you. There's going to be music in the background. Um, you're probably going to hear Andrew's voice there in the crowd and things are going to sound nice and festive. But make sure that you stop get your bottles and move out there as soon as you possibly can. That is the best advice that, that I think that I can give to somebody. It's don't hang around there. And that is one place. Do not sit in the chair there. Hit your bottles and get out. But if you can get yourself excited for the fact that as you're approaching that aid station now, the, the finish line in 16 Ks, the exciting thing is you've only got 16 Ks left. And as Anya said, you know what's coming on that 16K. So yeah, just change bottles, get your stuff done and move out. And then there are other distances we anticipate with the, the trail festival being on, uh, the same as it was this year. Those other distances make it the, the 40K, the 21K, sorry, the marathon, the 21K. They make it very festive on that finish line. And if you have friends or family who are coming along to support, they can run the 10K on the night before run the half marathon on the day, 42K on the day, and they'll still be there to see you finishing. Um, it's a very festive environment and certainly worth coming along, even if you're not going to run the 50 or the 100. Run one of the other distances. Um, spend some time out on the trails with a lot of like-minded people. Something I think is very special about Cardiff is we, we underestimate our support crew and how much or our support structure at home and how much they give up. If you're training for 100 miler, it's a lot of time away from home. And you if you have a husband or kids, um, you know, it's it's such a lovely place, a car club, so they can actually come and see what you did or what you trained for. And, and you can inspire them. The family gets inspired because now they don't just see you away from home. Actually, they see what you do. And I think that's what's special about Cardiff. Yeah, Anya, you know, that is spot on. I mean, well, my in-laws came to watch us at Carcliffe and to see actually what the 100-mile running is all about. And they said it was such a spectator-friendly sport. They said the spec being a spectator on that course, to watch those front runners come through there, they said was absolutely 
incredible. They've got a new respect for these guys that are running the 100 milers. Um, they've got a new respect for the sport. They actually ask us now, listen, when are you running again? We want to come and watch. Can we come and watch you at UTD? Are there places where we can come and watch you? You know, they they even, it, it's that sense of bringing the community together, which makes Carcliff a very good advert for um, trail running as a spectator sport in South Africa. I think that that is what Carcliff does really well. It promotes trail running as a spectator sport in South Africa. And I think that's that's something really special that they've got right there. But it was just so inspiring. I mean, our uh, two nieces are the one started running now recently. She never used to run before, but now she started with a bit of track work and cross country. And now she's ending on the podium and she never ran before. But it just ignited that fire of, yeah, okay, now she wants to run now because running looks, because people watch you and they clap hands for you. And now all of a sudden, look what's happening. Eh? So that just shows you it's a, the small thing like that has now grown the sport because now this little kid's probably going to become a trail runner one day. So I think that's a really special part of it. Oh, eh? I agree. Yeah, the circle will be complete when she runs her Cocksworth 100 mile. <laughs> it's got goosebumps imagining that. As always, thank you for listening. If you want to know more about Mindful Runner, check us out at mindfulrunner.co.za. On Instagram, you can find us at Mindful Runner. In the meantime, enjoy your running, happy trails, and don't forget to subscribe.